Welcome to an all-new Fast Friends podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. And this is typically the part of the podcast where I try to come up with some remotely clever metaphor to describe how fast I'll make friends with a guest, but not this week. This week is a really special episode because I want to bring on one of my longest-time friends and talk about our friendship. And so without further ado, I will welcome to the podcast, Les Thatcher. I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. So for people that are listening, the way that it worked is obviously less like you were uh, running training for WWE at the time and then also training for non-contract talent like, you know, Nigel, Nigel. McGuinness. Yeah. Sure. BJ. You mentioned BJ. BJ Whitmer. Shark Boy. Striker. Striker. Yep. Uh, Chad Collier was there. So yeah. like all of these people who went on to do amazing things in the industry like that kind of came in, you know, so there were like two classes i will if you will of like people that were there by wwe's dime and then people that were there trying to get on wwe's dime <laughs> right exactly it's <laughs> maybe a good well, way of thinking stop to think about it blade now in aew right yeah. pepper oh yeah yeah bj is a producer there yeah now yeah nigel is doing broadcasting with wwe yeah shark is still haunting houses i guess around <laughs> a little bit but yeah i am so proud of that crew and then of course during that time, we ran the Pillman shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to talk about... I, I, I want to come back to the Pillman shows in a second, but um, the True Life special, the MTV special, because that was sort of like an interesting an interesting thing to happen. What was it like for you working with MTV? And like, how did they... Did they like find you? Yes, yes. It, it was... I, I enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. There were some of the guys who were just... Uh, oh, it's so inconvenient. They're in our way. And I thought... We couldn't buy this much publicity if we if we all pulled every dime we had. Right, right. right. Well, they had contacted me out of the clear blue and uh, Banks Tarver. I never forget that because I always tease him. I said, "That's a, that name goes with Gone with the Wind, Banks Tarver." Right? <laughs> Is that if that's ever a Southern plantation name I've ever heard one. Anyway, he called me one day and introduced himself and said they were planning on doing a, a True Life. I'm a pro wrestler. And they had talked to a couple of promotions uh, in the eastern part of the northeast. And the crazy thing is, those promotions were asking for huge amounts of money. Uh, I would have loved to have huge amounts of money <laughs> as well. But I also saw the value in what, okay, we're going to be exposed on every MTV channel network in the world. And this show is going to air more than once. Yeah. I can't afford that kind of advertisement, right? So, yeah, I'm on board. Yes, count me in, Banks. I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> so yeah. that's how that's how we hooked up, you know? And, and the funny thing is Rory had just started with us. And so he's talking about you. And I said, well, I just had this kid come in from Iowa. Well, but he's already, he said, I want somebody that's never done anything. So the kid from Chicago had been down to visit and had gotten along some way or another with all our guys. And yeah. so I passed his phone number along to Banks, right? And so that's how he got hooked up on the deal. But uh, it was, you must remember, you probably remember too, uh, 
I mean, if we were in the gym and the phone started to ring, you knew that uh, MTV had just aired the special. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or the emails that start coming in wanting brochures. I mean, we couldn't have bought that kind of publicity anywhere. And, and off of that, we were on MSNBC's special edition, ABC's 2020. There was, I forget which network affiliate out of St. Louis came and taped us for there. Columbus, Ohio, and of course we were on every channel in Cincinnati at one time or another. So we didn't get any dollars and cents, but we got a million dollars worth of publicity out of that. Absolutely. And, and and isn't that, am I making this up or is that, is that how Nigel heard about you? Well, he's, yes, he, uh, he was, uh, as exchange, he was up at, uh, Kent State at the time. For those who don't know that Kent State was up in North Central Ohio. And he had, he had written for a brochure. And the reason he picked us, and he's told me this, was I had taken the time to write him, not type or, or you know, but to write longhand a note to him about some of the questions he had asked mm-hmm. in the brochure. And anybody else that he had sent for information, they had sent back and said, it cost this much, and that was the end of the, you know. So he said, I'm going to check this guy out. So that's how we, and I'm so, to me, that's that's the icing on my trading cake right there, Nigel, and what he's done. And, of course, he and I, he helped me book uh, a year-long tournament in Los Angeles back in 2012 and 13. It was a year-long called Race for the Ring, but the winner got a ring. And we had some amazing talent. But the year that he and I worked together on finishes and stuff, it just solidified our relationship so much. And of course, I tease him now. I said, you're just trying to copy me, aren't you? <laughs> you want to be a broadcaster. You want to be a booker. Damn. You know? Yeah. He's <laughs> but yeah, insane. He's just a super guy. Super guy. And what a talented son of a gun, too. I mean, in terms of our business, he really is. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see him a couple years ago. I mean, God, at this point, it's probably been like, shit, four years. But uh, I, I was in Phoenix for Royal Rumble, and so I got to meet up with him one of the days because he was there for, you know, a block of a couple days. Right. Um, so it was really, really good to see him. And, uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's again, it's so weird to think of, like, sitting right in, like, <laughs> just hanging out in the gym there with him, and, and now he's, like, off doing all of this other stuff. So yeah. What a talented guy, right? Oh, and, yeah. You have a copy of his documentary? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He, he edited and produced the damn thing himself, right? Yeah, yeah. there's really I, nothing he can't do. No, there's, you're right. You're, you're yeah. absolutely. But he said he loves California. He wants to stay in California. Right? I can see that. I can see that. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about the mudslides and the forest fires. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. If anybody could stop him, it would be Nigel. Let's talk about the Pillman. Oh, I do have one other question about uh, the true life. Do you, do you have any idea where that guy is now, Matt Taglia? Probably in jail. He was arrested at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in Canada as well. Yeah, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. No, I, I don't know if he's still alive. That's, That's true. A, that would probably be a miracle as well. Yeah. I'm going to look Because at- he abused everything that he could abuse, I think. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And Rory had such a good like baby face look. He was a, that was a that was a great sub. Okay, I want to talk about the Pillman shows. These were incredible. Um, obviously, I I went to two of the four that you produced. Uh, and for people that may not be familiar, if you want to look them up, it was uh, quite a feat because it was talent from every promotion. 
together on one card in one yes. roof for the first time and probably the last time. Um, I feel I feel blessed that the ECW, WWF, and WCW all three uh, trusted me enough. Yeah. To to allow us to have all you know their top talent. Yeah. And and that's some there's something else that just grew. Uh, we came up with the idea. Let's let's do a little show for Brian Pillman's family. A little is the key operative word here, right? Uh, and of course, that first one we had like thirteen hundred people, which filled uh, the Norwood Junior High gym, which is where Brian went to school. And uh, Steve Austin was there. Well, the crazy that's how it started out. That uh, you know, guys that knew Brian wanted to come. And so we, I knew we were going to have uh, Jericho and Benoit, and I knew Sonny and uh, uh, Steve Stone Cold were coming from WWF. And Dave Meltzer had said to me in a conversation, he said, well, if you got somebody from ECW, you'd have it, wouldn't you? And I thought, wow. And I thought, damn, Candido is over there. Yeah. And he and I became, had become friends when he was here with Smoky Mountain, right? And I had never met Paul E. at the time, so I got a hold of Chris. And so Chris said, and so Al Snow was working at ECW at the time, and he just lives, as you know, 200 miles up the road in, in Lima from us in Cincinnati. So uh, we hit the trifecta. We got all three companies, and that damn show grew. I mean, uh, it, it was insane. We did four years raised a little over $120,000 for the Pillman family collectively. We had so we had guys calling willing to pay to be on that show. Of course, yeah. I mean, serious independent guys say, I'll pay you to be on the show. I had a couple of guys, and I won't name them because I don't want to throw them under the bus, who were, in, uh, who were retired but in the industry, right? And one of them called it, and this was late in the game. I forget what year it was. And I want to come. I said, I, I've got no place to put you. He got mad at me. <laughs> I said, look, I, this, as you know, these shows were had everything in them. We auctioned things off. We had, well, the last year, let's use 2001 as an example. It started with uh, photos with the stars at noon in the, in the, in the venue. And the first year we had photos with Austin, Sonny, Jericho, Benoit, and Al, five people. The last year, the fourth year, over a dozen wrestlers were switching in and out. We had multiple cameras, but that all started at noon. Then the uh, independent showcase, which was top guys from OVW, from, uh, uh, from our company, and some of the other independent, better independent guys, that started at 5 or 5.30, whatever it was, and that went on until 7 o'clock, at which time we took a short break and came back with the main show, <laughs> yeah. which had stars from WCW, WWF, and ECW, plus we had auctions. We, we like J.R. Stetson, D.Lo's chest protector, Benoit's boots, and all that sort of stuff. And those shows, that, that last show, I remember, from noon, it was after 11 o'clock that night before we got out of that building. And yet nobody went home. I mean, they, it was, I, everybody that was involved in those shows, I have so much respect for. I mean, 
uh, it was a great, I, I don't know how we did it, but we did it. You know, but when, when that, that first year was over, I remember I got very little sleep because I made a mistake of going home to sleep, got about two hours and had to come back and start hauling guys to the, uh, to the uh, airport, right? And I remember going to the gym and sitting down at my desk and you know how when you're so tired, you feel like you're hollow, you're like you're staring at right? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, my God, we pulled this off. And I thought, should we do another one? <laughs> I thought, are you less? Are you crazy enough to go to this again? But each and every one was bigger than the next one, than the last one, right? But after four years, it was, we had realized, here's the crazy thing too, the stars that showed up for these shows were giving up their days off with their families to come and, and uh, show honor Brian and to help Brian's family. So, my God, you know, I, I just have so much love and respect for all those people. And you're one of those people. Oh, that's, you're way too kind. <laughs> way too kind. So we mentioned earlier you're in Knoxville now. What are, you, yeah. what are you up to there? I know you mentioned the weekend training camps. What else, what else are you, uh, you staying well, out of trouble? actually, I'm not doing anything here as such. I, although uh, there's uh, Ronnie West's sons are coming into Knoxville in March to run they they have a, a podcast called uh wrestling inside now mm -hmm. brett and and uh his brother and they're they've got a small venue here that they want to try to recreate the old one hour tv studio taping right okay so i'm gonna be a part of that i'm not sure the first one here is uh march the 18th on friday the 18th but yeah i'm available i do i can do one day seminars i prefer to do a weekend training camps because you just get so much more done, right? And it's hands-on. Uh, and if anyone's interested, they can reach me, lesthatcher28 at gmail.com. Be more than happy to get them out the information. But I will say this, that if a group of young independent wrestlers will give me their attention for a weekend, I will guarantee that I will send you home with uh, some tools that will help your trade. You know, because none of us stop. I, I, I'm... July the 4th this year will be my 62nd anniversary in this goofy business. <laughs> and uh, I'm still learning. You know, you never stop learning this business, Logan. You don't. Awesome. Those are all my questions for the first round. Do you Are you still good to do the second round, the five for five? I'm, I'm still good, man. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. So in this round, it's, it's called the five for five round. Uh, so I have five questions prepped for you. You get to ask me five questions. You're the guest. So by all means, I'll let you ask the first question if you'd like. How did you get involved in wrestling, Logan? <laughs> so I actually have a kid. I, I don't know if you remember this or not. This was before my college, my college exposure to you. Uh, and it was after True Life, I'm a pro wrestler. I was like, I want to, like, I want to work in wrestling. This is a really embarrassing for me to admit this to you. But I like set up a meeting through somebody at your office to come talk to you. And I don't know who the hell I thought I was. But I like brought you typed storylines that were probably fucking terrible. But you were so, you were very like... <laughs> clear that like why some of them wouldn't work even in my first meeting with you ever and i was like a high school i don't know like i was in high school maybe or just out of high school but yeah i had like i had like written out a whole tv like a whole like month of tv or something i don't know and you like took the time to go through it and like give feedback 
on like why certain things would work or wouldn't work or like things that I needed to learn or like improve on. So I don't know if you remember that at all. I uh, sure. I do. I remember. <laughs> it was embarrassing though. It's embarrassing now. But yeah, then like you said, I when I was in college, I didn't want to do like a traditional a lot of people that did our internships or like co-ops, they would do things like I work in a public relations office or like I don't know. Like I, you know, I go work at this advertising agency or whatever. And I was like, that all sounds boring to me. I don't want to do that. Like I, I still love wrestling. I want to work in wrestling. And so, yeah, I, I came out to you guys talked about like creating an internship ish. Uh, and so I think my first, the first couple weeks I was like doing just at very random stuff and then started doing a lot for like the website and uh, recapping shows and things like that. And it was, um, yeah, never look back from there. Honestly, it just kept doing, like you said, like more and more kind of stuff, right? Like over the years, yeah. accidentally you, falling into. <laughs> you, you pick up, you pick up things as you go, and all of a sudden that becomes handy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like uh, especially as an intern, and then like you know, I mean, you know, I was at HWA for four, four and a half years total, but like. The, the pay was nothing, but the pay was priceless. The education yes, was yes. the pay. Yeah. 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 So it was like priceless experience. And that's that's always where I focus on it instead of like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't about making a paycheck. It was about, like you said, like about learning and growing. And I look back now at like some of the experiences that I've had and I'm just like, it's insane. Like I wouldn't change I wouldn't change one one part of it. I feel the same way. Yeah. And you're talking about uh, when I first started wrestling. Well, I can tell you, my first night, I wrestled twice in Blue Hills, Maine, July the 4th, 1960. My payday was $12. Yeah, for two matches. I know. I, I tried not to spend it all over the place. <laughs> did you wrestle as the same person, or did you wrestle like under a mask in one of them? Uh, no. Uh, it was, well, back then, well, even, uh, even later, in the 60s and even the early 70s, sometimes on a spot show, they don't use four wrestlers and still have uh, three matches, right? So on that that night, Blue Hills, Maine, that was at their fairgrounds. It was a Fourth of July celebration. The ring was set up on, in front of the grandstand on the racetrack, and so Ronnie Hill, who was one of uh, my trainers as well, we opened the show. Then a, a young babyface named Joe Sasso, uh, who was from Boston, he wrestled Bull Montana, who I used talk about I had bought tickets to see as a kid right uh, and then in the four, third match uh, Joe and I came back against Ronnie and Bull in a tag match and that filled and, and when I tell young guys today that we filled two hours or more they'll look at you like you must be nuts what'd you do right I said we wrestled it's a clever <laughs> idea <laughs> yeah I, I, but it's hard it is hard to imagine if all you're exposed to is what's on now Sure. I mean, no, you right. know, it'll be like a 20-minute match. They make a big deal out of it. So, I know. Yeah. Well, and and that's something back when when I first we first started HWA, when, when I would tell people that our shows ran two and a half hours, how many matches you have? Five. How do you do that? First of all, I teach the guys actually how to wrestle, <laughs> or or I use guys who actually know how, right? Opposed to just guys that take bumps or, or, or look goofy. So, yeah, it, it, you know, that's, that's the thing. You, you found this out. What was, now, here's my next question. What was, how different was the wrestling business once you got in it 
from what you saw before you got in it. Yeah, very different than I ever would have imagined. I was a pretty like naive, dumb kid, and so there was just a lot. There's a lot that goes into it, right? Like as you know, like there's crazy politics even at like every level and then you know the people like busting their ass to try to make it and like everyone sort of fighting for their spot even if they're not fighting that goes on at every level and it was it was interesting to see that firsthand there are t- <laughs> there are times that I wish like certain elements maybe I would didn't know about but but in general like I said it's I don't I don't regret it at all but yeah I I don't think I had in I didn't there's no think I, I had no idea what I was walking into I, I think anybody that's honest has to say that because as big a fan as I was, you know, when I learned, when I started to learn the business, I thought, Oh my God. Yeah. I, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it, it, it's incredible. Honestly, it's, yes. it's just, it's, it's nothing like you could even imagine. So, and I still, you know, I'm still a fan now. Like I'll go and watch, I, I, I would say I watch AEW more than I watch WWE now. I watch actually some indies uh, more than I watch either of those, but I do like going to see it live when I can still. I think it's fun. You know, I remember seeing MJF wrestle at a bar here in Chicago in front of like a couple <laughs> hundred people. So that's been cool to watch that. Well, you know what? You might remember uh, Colt and Punk. Oh, and yeah. he's still wrestling for us in HWA before they became big names. Yeah, absolutely. I remember. I, Colt was through multiple times when I was there. Yeah, and he's he's great. He has a great Les Thatcher impression, actually. Does he really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've never heard it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, a, I'd love to hear it. It's a pretty good one. Colt, if you're listening, uh, you need to call Les and give him your, your Les Thatcher impression. <laughs> Colt, Colt is an independently wealthy man at this point in time, right? That's true. He does he does pretty well for himself. He does pretty Talk well. about making money for T-shirts, right? Never, yeah. Never mind his wrestling money. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's, you know, like he's done a lot of interesting, like documentary kind of stuff and podcasts. He's very, very talented himself. So no, I, yeah, I remember them coming through for sure. There, honestly, there more, there are more people that are on the scene now were through than weren't through. I feel like, you know, yeah, yeah. When, when you stop and look at it. So sure. Yeah. All right, you have your third question for me. <laughs> or do you want me to? I can I can go if you want time to think. I was um, going to say. Uh, how do you end up in stand-up comedy? <laughs> and, and, and the reason, let me let me expand that question a little bit because to, I know you as well as I know you. You're a quiet, unassuming young man. Well, not so young anymore. But, no, I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you, when I found out you were doing stand-up, I said, "What?" What? How drunk does he have to be to get up there and do that? Well, the first time, pretty drunk. It's one of those things where it's like being in Chicago and being around the comedy scene a lot. You just, it was one of those things that we would go and watch a fair amount. So it'd be like, I'm going to go watch stand up or I'll go watch this improv group or whatever. Improv for me was too hard because I felt like it, re- I didn't want to let other people down. And at least if it's stand up, like I'm just the only person up there. So if it falls flat, it's my fault and I'm not like affecting anyone else. So I took this like small class here. It was like a six week program, I think. And the instructor was, was really good. He's like a local comedian here. And at the end of that class, you perform, you do like a five minute set. Uh, and then like, he like sort of coaches and mentors you and like kind of guides you on like going and doing open mics and stuff like that. And for me, it was it was probably similar to like what happened in wrestling. So like when, you know, like as <laughs> later on, I went to like 
went to start doing more writing and stuff, even at HWA, after you had left. And um, you know when you, like, envision a, a segment or, like, a crowd reaction to something, and then it, like, actually happens that way, and it's, like, the most rewarding thing yes. in your life? Stand-up's kind of the same. So you'll, like, write something that you think is funny, and then you'll go out and perform it, and it's either really funny and it it kills in the room or you like just stand there looking like a dumbass and i do more of the dumbass looking than than killing in a room but it was really fun and for me it it gave me like a way to sort of like it's almost like therapy like i'll talk about things that are like bothering me about life that like i wouldn't necessarily sit down and talk to my friends about but i'll like go up there and randomly just talk like in front of a room of you know 150 people and say oh yeah like you know my mom thought I was like jerking off the other day when I was home visiting and asking like if I had marital problems, you know, and it's like it's just like this weird scenario. And then like but once I get off stage, I don't want to talk about it anymore, you know, um, <laughs> but it was it's uh, it's interesting. It's fun. I haven't been able to do it with covid for quite some time now, but I have a lot of stuff written that I need to get back on stage and perform. I would love to hear you. Sometime. I mean, seriously. You know, yeah. I saw I saw Foley when he was at the comedy club in Newport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, good. He's, he uh, left me left tickets, and, and Guffman and I went. And, okay, uh, he is good. Yes, he's really good. Well, you know, everybody it seems like in the wrestling business today tries to be funny, and nobody is basically. <laughs> it falls pretty pretty damn flat. Yeah, that's that's one of my biggest complaints with the business. You know, uh, our generation did you you did what you were comfortable with right they didn't ask you to be a plumber if you were a a librarian right correct and, and that's what i see wrong today they're having people uh you don't know what this person actually is good at because you're having to do something they're obviously not good at right that's that's kind of scary too i think <laughs> well i can send you a clip i have a video clip of like one of the stand-up sets that i did uh at the very least i can it. send that to you but um, i'd love to see it <laughs> But, All right, I, I've got one more question, right? Yeah, you got two. Oh, two? Okay. Yeah. Well, this one is, how did you end up with Liv? Liz? Liz? Uh, Liz, yes. Luck. So Liz and I uh, met the f- very first day of college at Mount St. Joseph, and we had a mutual friend. One of my friends from high school lived in the dorm with her, and Liz had a crush on me weirdly then, which, I'm like, that doesn't happen a lot to me. Um, but <laughs> the, the, you'll, you'll actually appreciate this. I was very committed to like trying to have a career in wrestling. So I was like, I don't have time to date anyone. Like I did, I know what I like want to do. I, you know, I have to get my shit. I have to go do my classes. I have to work. Like I have to do all this stuff. So she just kind of like gave up. She was like, oh, fuck it. It's not worth my time. And then, um, do you, you'll remember too, that like when you used to have cell phones, you couldn't take your phone number with you if you left like one carrier and went right. to another. So now you can just like transfer. But then if you went from AT&T to Verizon, you got a new phone number. So fast forward, you know, we like stayed in touch throughout college and like hung out some. But like as she's she's a teacher. So she went on the education track um, and was doing like student teaching and stuff like that. So like just by sheer nature of what we were studying, like we talked less and less and saw each other less and less. I called her and I had gotten a new phone number. So she didn't recognize it. And she actually answered the phone. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so this was a little after college. And so we actually ended up living together with Jared, my my buddy Jared. So it was three of us in a house. And like, yeah, we just started. 
it, it didn't take very long for us to like start hanging out and stuff more. And then it grew into like more than just hanging out. <laughs> um, Jeez. I, I'm going to say, this is not a question, but uh, when your big birthday came up mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. she went, she went so far out of her way to be sure that I got something on. And I thought, damn, this woman cares about him. What the hell is it? How much is he paying? <laughs> <laughs> A lot. <laughs> I'm looking. You know, I've never met Liv. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you probably haven't. Never. No. No. I, I guess you're afraid she, she and I will have an affair or something. Maybe. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna bust out those bodybuilding photos. <laughs> I wish. No, but but seriously, she seems like a, a great lady, and you've she is. She is. Yeah. I've said this a lot with like the pandemic. We've. I'm really happy that I married somebody that I like and love because we have spent a lot of time together the last two years, <laughs> and uh, you know, still, still not tired of each other. Well, I, I'm not tired of her. I can't speak for her. <laughs> I would guess she's probably. I would guess she's pretty straightforward. If she retired of you, you she'd be gone. I know. Right? Yeah. Usually, I, I can tell when it's time for me to take a brief exit and get out of the house for a little bit. <laughs> All right, my last question. Yeah. What's your opinion between the Chiefs and the Bengals? <laughs> I I don't I want to be wrong when I say this, but I do I don't I think that I think that this will be it for us this season for the Bengals. But they've gotten so far, right? So far. And, and it's and it's the start. It. Yeah, it's the start. Yeah. It's I think it's good. I think they'll do much better even in future seasons, but I feel like um the the drought has been has been uh ended and so yeah. it's like that they're out of their head that way but like I, I it just seems almost too good to be true and like i said i would love to be wrong like i would love nothing more for them to win i'd love to see them go to the super i mean this is such a uh cinderella story absolutely yeah. It is. Yeah. You know, almost it's almost like wrestling wrote this story, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. A, a wrestling friend of mine said last week after the four games. Yeah. He said, hell, they had the same finish in three of the four games. <laughs> I, I said, the Booker's not very creative. No. Yeah. <laughs> they needed to have somebody uh, looking across the card. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, I'll ask you my uh, my questions, which are a little crazy. One of them is uh, my first one is uh, when you were wrestling, and then even after right working in wrestling, you've traveled across the entire country and lived in multiple different cities. What was your favorite city outside of Cincinnati? Because we talked about that. What was your favorite city to spend time in, and why? I, I think uh, Charlotte, and right where I'm at now, okay, in Knoxville. And maybe because some of my greatest successes in the business have been in those two cities. You know, that could be. And I've spent so much time in both Charlotte and Knoxville that I guess I'm more comfortable. Sure. You know, they feel like a home. They're they're both. Well, Charlotte is growing. Well, both of them have grown. When I first wrestled in Charlotte, that was more a medium sized country town, right? Yeah. And now I go over there. My stepdaughter's there. and I thought, my God, I can't. I don't even know where the hell I'm at anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and Knox, well, Knoxville was a lot smaller. I first wrestled here in 1968. Okay. But uh, my history here is uh, is when John Kazana got his TV for the first first time TV in the in this town. Whitey Call and I were the top two baby faces, so we had great success in that. Then when Ron uh, brought me in in '74 to produce the television. 
this became the hottest small territory in the National Wrestling Alliance in the country from 74 through 79. Plus then coming back here, I've worked for five different promoters in this in this town oh, over wow. the years. My first time was in 1968 for John Kazana. And, uh, but, but you know, we had a good run here with uh, Smokey and Jimmy too, yeah. right? So that's probably why those two towns, but uh, Pensacola was a nice, I just don't like hurricanes, man. I'm just- Oh yeah, yeah. I get that. <laughs> I, I'm not interested in, in I, I tried to wrestle in Florida other than hurricane season. Right? I, yeah. Well, shit, now now hurricanes are all seasons. So uh, Yeah, and every place, yeah. not necessarily just in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Knoxville's a great city, I feel like. It is. It is a great city. My second question is, what's your favorite song of all time? Wow, I don't even know. You're going back a long way. Here, <laughs> the good thing is, is nobody song. can fact check you. You know what? I don't. I don't know that I have a favorite song of all time. Uh, one of the, a lot of um, the Eagle stuff is great. Chris, uh, one of the things I like about Chris Christopherson is he's a great storyteller. And uh, almost anything that he's done, or almost anything the Eagles have done. But I'm, my musical interests are widespread. I'm a big R&B guy. Uh, Jimmy Reed, Lightning Hopkins, Buddy, Muddy Waters, B.B. King, guys like that. Or I like uh, white man's blues, you know, country. Uh, as I mentioned, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson. And uh, so I don't really have a... I, I love music, period. Uh I was a pretty decent dancer as a kid. I believe that. Yeah, I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm no longer a kid. <laughs> uh, my third question is, what's something that no matter how many times you see it, it always makes you laugh? Wow, you're asking some hard questions. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I would say any stand-up routine of uh, Dick Gregory or uh, Robin Williams, probably. Oh yeah, Robin Williams is so good. I don't. I'm not familiar with Dick Gregory. No. No. You know, I, I I got rid of all my 33 and third albums. I had a couple of his albums. He was uh, probably the first stand-up black comedian to really get into using uh, black references. You know, uh, in a comic uh, format, in front of white people. I sure. Mean, you know, uh, he did all the Playboy clubs back in the '60s and everything. Okay. But yeah. Uh, but a very, very talented person. Yeah. I bet some of his stuff may be on YouTube. I'm sure it might. Yeah. Isn't everything on Everything's YouTube? Everything's on YouTube. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, my fourth question, and I want you to be honest on this. So even when you and I didn't work together at HWA, like after you had left, I obviously was there for a little bit. And I know that you, <laughs> you, you and I would talk about like a lot, everything that was going on. Out of all of the creative ideas that I had there, which one did you think was the worst? God, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that doesn't mean I thought they were all bad. <laughs> but I, I don't. I try not to remember things like that. You know what? This has got nothing to do with my questions or your questions. But I've told this particular story that you told me. I don't know how many times, but I want you to tell the story about your experience with the HR lady at WWE who didn't know what HWA or developmental was. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I had interview. I was interviewing at a WWE. I don't remember exactly how. I'm sure somebody helped get my resume in front of somebody, and that's the only reason I even got like called. But on my resume was the obviously the experience I had at HWA. And um, the HR office, they didn't understand. So I, I explained it. I was like, you know, it's like an independent wrestling promotion that was like your developmental territory. And she didn't know what I meant by wrestling promotion or developmental <laughs> territory, territory and had no idea like what at all anybody would do there. It's like, so it wasn't, you know, she was very corporate and very like nine to five, like business, zero idea about like wrestling, the product, the creative components, the athleticism, like none of that, nothing. And so I, I remember that. And then I also remember, I must have asked a question about something about like, obviously related to the wrestling product. And she was like, just as a tip, as you talk to more people here, you don't want people to know that you're a fan of wrestling. That should have been, that should have been it. <laughs> you know, well, it's just, I, I, I'm amazed that uh, someone that is hiring you for WWE wouldn't know some of the terminologies, right? You would think, I mean, that doesn't mean you can't do HR, but it right. would mean I would want to expand your horizons, in that, right? Yeah. And that story just blew me away because I'm thinking that kind of tells a story about why our business is the way it is today. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's too many people running it that don't have a clue what it's about. Zero clue. Zero clue. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, if, if you have any nightmares about any of the creative ideas and they come up to you, you know, you can send them along. <laughs> if I if I wake up in a cold sweat. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll like to pretend that you went to therapy to block them out of your memory. <laughs> um, that should have been my answer. Go ahead. <laughs> we can edit that in. <laughs> Uh, my last question for you, and this is going to be hard, but out of all of the things that you've done in your career, <laughs> it's like picking your favorite child. Is there something that you're the most proud of? And if so, what is it? And you've done so many things, so it's hard. I, I think collectively, I'm just proud of my resume yeah. and my legacy. Um, you know, I, when I look back and I, I'm going to you can call it bragging, but it's not bragging if you can back it up, and I can. Uh, my fingerprints are on so damn much in this business over the last 61 years, you know? And uh, I'm proud of all that. I mean, I truly am. I'm proud of all that. Uh, I would like to continue. I mean, I, I don't want to wrestle, right? <laughs> but I can still teach and, and think. I, I, in other words, to me, I've made this joke before. You know, uh, I'll probably be doing something wrestling related when I breathe my last breath. I'd like that to be the case, you know, because it's it's who I am. It's what I do. And it's it's what I love. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just uh, it's who I've become, I guess. And I'm honestly so um, honored that I got to play like this much of a part of it. So in yours. So thank you uh, for that. <laughs> I'm so honored that I had someone with your intelligence to help out with that. And that's a fact, too. Oh, that's very sweet. We're, so we're on to our last round, Les. we got a couple minutes left. Um, I'm going to use this. I don't know if you had these in school, but these were like fortune tellers. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so it's a paper fortune teller. So what I'll do is I'll just ask you uh, a few questions, um, and then it'll reveal an activity that we'll play, and that'll be like the the how we wrap up. So okay. in this whole scenario, you and I are in a car together. So the first thing I say is I tell you that, Les, I would like for you to start a boy band playlist. And we're going to put your music knowledge to the test. Would you pick uh, a song by NSYNC, 
Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, or One Direction out of those four? I don't know that I could give you a name of a song from any of those people. <laughs> all you have to do is <laughs> although, prob although probably in sync, because that would be more... Uh, I used some of their music when I was running the gyms. Oh, yeah. Back in, uh, yeah. Yeah. Back in the 80s and the 90s, yeah. In sync is a great choice. 98 Degrees is from Cincinnati, so... Oh, that's right. They are. Yeah. Now, if you'd ask me about, uh, you know, uh, some of the other Cincinnati people. Yeah. <laughs> the Isley, bro Isley brothers. And... Yeah. They didn't make the cut on the on the fortune teller. Oh, uh, damn it. <laughs> okay. So we stop at a gas station and we're getting snacks because, you know, I need to have snacks. Of course. Um, uh, would you pick from these four snacks? Would you pick Milk Duds, Cheez-Its, Corn Nuts or Sour Patch Kids? My God. <laughs> Probably, probably corn nuts. <laughs> yes. That's a good pick. <laughs> All right. And then the, the last question is, we stop at um, an exit and we go through the drive-thru of a restaurant. Would you pick Wendy's, Arby's, Burger King, or McDonald's out of those four? Arby's. Arby's. Do you have a go-to Arby's order? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Turkey Reuben. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. And curly fries. Can't forget the curly fries. The curly fries are amazing. They are, aren't they? Um, okay, so underneath Arby's is the game Never Have I Ever. So I have <laughs> I have uh, five cards from the game Never Have I Ever, and I'll just ask you. And then what? basically it'll say, like, Never Have I Ever Done This. And then you'll say, like, Yes, I Have or No, I Haven't. And obviously if you have, then there's usually a fun story. Okay. <laughs> never Have I Ever Had to Take a Paternity Test. I've never had to do that. No, <laughs> no one's ever mistaken me for a pregnant woman. <laughs> never have I ever uh, seen a ghost. No. I don't know that I have either. I wish I had. Uh, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. <laughs> never have I ever had a descrambler box to steal cable. Oh, yeah, I had one of those. Uh, yeah, in fact, the first thing I ever had to see HBO was... Right here in Knoxville. Okay. Uh, yeah, you you bought a little box for twenty five bucks. Yeah. And and they, they hooked it into your uh, into your TV until it became illegal, and they started going around and checking those things. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Technology's come a long way. All right. Well, you know, and the main thing about that box is when I was told, you this, I said, you mean there's a ch it just shows nothing but late. Uh, recent movies yes oh my god the trouble with that is hbo is still showing some of those same movies today yeah that i saw back then <laughs> yeah not worth the money <laughs> no no uh never have i ever gotten drunk at my in-laws house oh i have been shit-faced at my in-laws house <laughs> no, I, i've never gotten drunk on purpose in my life okay <laughs> i have by accident uh Probably four times in my in my life. I'm not my, I'm not a big drinker. I'm just yeah. I was a designated driver as a teenager, right? I mean, my friends would say, "Pull over so I can throw up here," right? Yeah. <laughs> so I always thought if if this is fun, I don't want to have any fun. Right. I'm just, yeah. I'm out of it. It took me a little longer to get there, but I've uh, I've been sober now for five years, actually. Of course, so. in college you have to get drunk, right? Isn't that part of the prerequisite? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think so. Yeah, yeah, they'll kick you out <laughs> if not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
we'll leave it at that. Awesome. So this is the moment, less that we've been building to, like on Facebook. And I think, I hope I know the answer that you don't break up with me here as a friend. But if I sent you a friend request right now, would you confirm or delete the friend request? I would confirm it, of course. Thank you so much, Les. But if I sent you one. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? (laughs) First I would mark out and then I would accept it. Do you want to tell, and I know we talked about it earlier, your email address. Do you want to plug like your Twitter or Facebook or any of that kind of stuff? I do a a weekly podcast on The Observer with Vic Sosa called Wrestling Weekly. Uh, It usually goes up on Fridays. And uh, yeah, you can reach me, lesthatcher28 at gmail.com. If you're interested in me doing a one-day seminar or a weekend training camp, be more than happy to do that for you. And I said, get you out all the information. And uh, you know, there's a, a 20th anniversary of the Pillman that's on the market, right? Yes. And you can get that at PillmanShow.com. And there's 15 hours of content on there, uh, specials, interviews, uh, of course, all the stuff from the show. And all the matches, except we're missing a couple from uh, 98, 99, 99. We're missing a couple of matches from the Garden. Other than that, it's com- all the matches complete. Uh, the specials, you know, the interviews, of, uh, guys in the ring, and, and, and some of the guys that were at the show uh, interviews. And there's a section of uh, Brian Jr. and I talk, actually sitting here in the house yeah. talking about his dad and, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. Very proud of those shows and of that particular uh, setup. So Absolutely. Yeah, you, can, you can get that at uh, joe-dombrowski.com, prowrestlinglibrary.com, or billmanshows.com, any one of the three. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. It was really special to have you on, and I'm so glad to get to see you. Well, thank you. It would be awesome to see you in real life. I'm alive. Jake and I are. <laughs> Is Jake still alive? <laughs> Jake's, Jake's, I, I'm going to check on Jake. Jake, he's still alive. <laughs> he's still there. All right. Les, thank you so much for coming on. Have a wonderful day. It was great to see you, man. Take care. Thank you, my brother. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.